Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a guest sharing their story and tips and tricks on getting into the industry. And so today I'm really excited to have Justin Kohler on. Justin works for Spectrops, which is a, a company that does a lot of red teaming and pen testing type stuff that I've been a big fan of for years. So the opportunity to get to interview someone from Spectrops is always a good deal. So uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you. Happy to be here. So that's great. Uh, thanks. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm sure uh, that they're keeping you guys busy there. So uh, if you could, if you could just kind of introduce yourself and, and share about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Justin Kohler. Like you said, I, I uh, lead the Bloodhound team at um, Spectre Ops and the training team. So Bloodhound encompasses sorry, open source and the enterprise product. Um, so you can look at... Uh, GitHub Bloodhound AD to find more information on that. Um, super popular for if you're into penetration testing or just knowing more about Active Directory. And then uh, we, we also have a considerable amount of training courses at Spectre Ops. Um, so Red Team Operators is probably our most po- or Red Team for Operators is probably the most popular one, but we also have like vulnerability researchers. Wow, I can talk today. Vulnerability research for operators, uh, tradecraft analysis, uh, Mac Tradecraft, and uh, we're always working on others. So um, that's kind of what I do here at SpectreOps. Um, I joined in January of 2020. Uh, used to work at a network security startup that got acquired by a company called Gigamon before that. Uh, and then prior to that, I was um, I worked at, for a consulting company at Microsoft doing physical security, actually. So like uh, kind of cybersecurity adjacent. Um, and then previous to that was in the Air Force. So... Uh, can kind of talk about anything of interest there. Very cool. So, what what do you actually do in your your day to day role? Uh, so, I uh, I do whatever I can to make my my uh, my team's life as easy as possible. So, I lead a team of about twenty people. Um, so, they're split across both the product team and the training team. Um, so, we're uh, you know building the product like both in the open source and the enterprise side today. Uh, working with customers, um, answering questions, making sure they're getting the value out of that. Um, and then on the training side, you know, making sure like all the research that we put into just kind of broadly across Spectre Ops, uh, but also in, you know, consulting engagements or in, or directly from the product is incorporated into training that we can kind of pass on to the community. Um, so we, we try to distill, distill down, you know, adversary tradecraft and, and make that usable in a couple of different uh, means. Um, and to a couple different audience. So whether you're blue, blue or red, uh, there should be something for you there. But long story short, I just I, I manage the team um, and try to help out wherever I can. Very cool. So uh, if someone was wanting to get into cybersecurity, what kind of recommendations would you have for them to start a yeah. career? 
It's a it's a broad question. It's funny because I, I actually had the question. I'm a transfer right into cybersecurity, so I came over. Um, gosh, I don't know, six ish years ago, um, where previously I was in physical security. I guess way back, I was always really into computers and um, got in trouble by taking my dad's stereo apart when I was a teenager and trying to figure out how things work. Right? It's kind of kind of a shared story, I think, among people uh, in the field. You know, just trying to break things down and trying to understand it. Um, but when I was in physical security, I, I was always kind of enamored with the with the computer side of it. I mean, I was building my own desktops and um, uh, always wanted to kind of get into that field because it was really, really interesting. And I didn't really know how to get started. I didn't really know anybody in, in the field either. Um, and so my, my course was to go out to an event, right? So I'm going to go out to a cybersecurity event and try to just absorb. Um, I didn't really hardly know anything. I, I was trying to take a Security Plus kind of on the side, which is an amazing course, by the way. So plug for Security Plus, Network Plus, and A Plus, like starting point. You should always go through those. They're amazing. So I did like a Professor Messer on, on YouTube, you know, um, prior to that. But then I, I, I was like, I really kind of need to figure out if I want to make this my life. So I, I chose a little known event uh, at the time, uh, DerbyCon, <laughs> um, which was an uh, amazing first event to go to, you know, for somebody new in it. If, uh, if you ever had the pleasure of attending one of those events, uh, it doesn't happen anymore, but there are plenty um, of other options. So I just, I just went and tried to strike up as many conversations as I could uh, with people, kind of let them know I, I was kind of interested in the field and kind of ask their, their opinions on where they should go or where I should go kind of to get more information. Um, so after that, I, uh, I, I decided, yes, I, I really did want to do this. Um, and so I, uh, signed up for like a SANS course and, um, bought, a a server. And, um, at the time that was kind of an overkill. Like I thought I, I kind of used the the whole excuse of like transferring into cybersecurity to like buy all the hardware and get all the, you know, the gear and stuff. And it was fun. I actually, you know, detonated malware in that for a while and ran a bunch of VMs. And, but I was, I, I knew that I was never going to be like that person that was like going to rely or, you know, live on the cutting edge of, of research. And I, pen testing sounded really cool, but me personally, I didn't think that I was going to end up going down that route. Um, more just wanted to use my kind of existing skills. Um, and transfer those into cybersecurity however I could. Um, and at the time, I was, I was in physical security, and we would do um, kind of a lot of big events and projects. So uh, I, I was on the Xbox One launch uh, at, at Microsoft, and I was helping one of the program managers there kind of think through the events and all the logistics, right? How do we move this box that nobody knew of at the time from the studios at Microsoft to this event space? And how do we do rehearsals, right? Like how do you keep the secret and, until you don't want to keep it anymore? So it's complex, not complicated, I guess. Um, whereas I thought of cybersecurity as like both complex and complicated. Um, what I found out or what I found though was uh, it seemed like there was a, uh, an area where somebody could come in, maybe they didn't live on the front line of like, you know, going through code all day, but could break down a problem and make sure that something was actually done about it, if that makes any sense. Um, and I think that's kind of a, not super appreciated a lot with, um, with most, I guess, in the field. So uh, you have a really complex topic or a really complicated topic. Um, and you figure something out and, and uh, like, let's say you're doing work for a customer and you f I find this big issue, right? And, and you know, kind of getting that breakthrough moment of um, we need to fix this. 
that, uh, you know, there's a lot of show about that. There's like an outbrief or there's, um, you know, follow-ups that need to happen, but actually doing those follow-ups, I, I, I thought I could help with that process. So, um, so that's kind of what I did. I ended up uh, joining a network security startup and helped them kind of um, get their customers onboarded um, on, a, on a consistent basis and actually made sure the product was doing what they wanted it to do. You're not just, you know, showing it and then it kind of goes and sits and lives on a shelf somewhere for a few years. So, yeah, sorry. That was a long-winded, windy way of answering your question, but um, yeah. Awesome. So as far as like this physical security, someone that wanted to get interest, get into that area of the field, what, what would be kind of required for someone to get into that? Because I know that you hear a lot of people that are wanting to get into more of the physical side of things, but you just it's just not as obvious on how to get out there and just the resources are a little more difficult to find. Uh, I, you know, I wish I, I, I could answer that one a little bit better. I feel like I've been out of there so for so long that it's really hard for me to answer. I kind of got in just because I... Um, kind of a, sh a shared background from somebody that was a manager at the team previously. So uh, we had both been in the military together and we kind of thought along the same lines in terms of like order of operations and like breaking down again, like, like uh, complex, not complicated. Uh, we have to do this thing. What are the things that we need to do in the lead up to that uh, event? So um, I don't know if I could really give any advice on how to get in there. There's a whole nother uh, kind of ecosystem of physical security, like events and talks and stuff like that, that, um, I should, I still know a bunch of old colleagues that are in that space. And, um, yeah, my, my suggestion would just be to go out to one of those events, whether it be physical or cybersecurity, try to go to one, um, and absorb as much as you can. There's so many different, like, uh, positions in cybersecurity, um, that you almost have to like, just go and listen for three days and figure out what's out there for that you could do and then find out what's interesting and, and start to learn more about one or two of those different topics. Like again, like security plus a plus network plus those kind of basics will, will kind of establish the, the building blocks upon which you can then kind of pivot into different areas. Um, and you don't have to spend a whole lot of money on it, right? Like there's besides events everywhere. Um, there's a remote events that you can kind of join in now, thanks to the pandemic, you know? Um, so I had to like pay my own way to fly over to Kentucky, uh, which was kind of a big investment. And that to me was part of the reason I did it. I wanted to actually put my, you know, put some investment on my side to go see if I actually wanted to make this a career. But but you can certainly just go to like a, a local one or if you're in school still, um, I know there's a whole bunch of programs in terms of colleges, like uh, clubs and, and different things. Like we, we worked with a, one here at, um, uh, at UW. We know like the organizer there um, and uh, they're always looking for people to like, you know, intake into that process and stuff. So yeah, again, another long windy win. <laughs> windy answer to your <laughs> oh, question, that Oh, that's fine. And it just kind of brings up the importance of, of networking. So really kind of before you started researching cybersecurity, did, did you kind of realize the value of networking or was this something you just kind of picked up from that experience? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, for better, or for worse, uh, um, even though I'm probably giving, you know, windy answers now, um, I've always been able to talk with people. Um, so, you know, just being able to like, uh, yeah, have a conversation, ask questions. And I think the cool thing about this field is 
99% of the folks in cybersecurity love talking about what they do and want others to and want to help others. I mean, I certainly hear at SpectreOps, like, uh, I, I don't want to put them on the spot for other people to reach out to them for questions, but Jeff Dimmick will, will, will answer it. Uh, you know, somebody will ask uh, like a basic question in terms of like advice somewhere here, and he's given these long answers. Now, please don't everybody email Jeff at uh, <laughs> here at SpectreOps for questions, but but I think that's everybody in uh, in cybersecurity, and certainly here at SpectreOps, um, are more than happy to kind of provide advice, or you know, if you're at a conference or you see us out anywhere, striking up a random conversation and and just asking. Um, uh, we all know that we kind of stand on the shoulders of giants previous to us, so we want to do whatever we can to to answer questions, and make feel, people feel comfortable about you know joining the um, the industry. Yeah, it's pretty amazing how much networking can help. You know, as far as getting jobs, because like myself, yeah. I've gotten so many jobs through referrals and stuff that you really don't have to go through the regular means. Yeah, that's uh, so. Uh, I totally agree with that, and. I, to a certain extent, it's kind of sad to bring that up in a, how do you break into the industry? Because, you know, if you don't know any industry, any, anybody in the industry, how would you get in? Uh, you can, you can kind of pivot across teams potentially. So, um, I, when I was at Microsoft, I was super interested or, you know, consulting at Microsoft, I was super interested in the cybersecurity space. And I was able to like kind of work with teams that were adjacent to kind of learn more just through osmosis and kind of talk to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, networking can't be undersold. I mean, probably five of the people on my team today came from our previous role, like previous company. I mean, you work with good people, you want to work with good people again. Um, and your paths will always, you know, cross again. Right. Uh, so yeah, networking, a, a vital skill. Um, but don't let that intimidate you if you don't know anybody in the cybersecurity space. Um, again, that's all the more reason to, you know, maybe that's the first hurdle is just work up the courage to go up and ask a random question, right? Even if it's a, can you explain this part of your talk to me? Um, just asking the question, just practicing the fact, like getting over your fear of just asking the question. I remember being terrified of that when I was at the event, uh, when I was trying to break in, it's just like, who am I going to go talk to? And you, know, you just figure it out. I mean, at the DerbyCon, it was LobbyCon. And so I had a beer before I went and asked somebody a question and then it was over from there, right? So, so with DerbyCon gone, is there are there any other conferences that you like? Uh, yeah, I. Well, yes, nothing's really filled that whole, you know, that void in the heart that is DerbyCon. I guess um, I'm a huge fan of B sides Augusta. I haven't been able to go in the last few years, but if if you're ever if you're in that region, B sides Augusta is amazing. Um, very similar feel, like um, just kind of big family and. Uh, really cool research, a lot of really um, interesting folks giving talks. On the bigger side, I mean, Black Hat's always entertaining. Uh, <laughs> you know, summer camp is is always fun. And I've heard B, like B-Sides Las Vegas is really good. Um, we do our own event, but that's it's a remote event. Uh, it has been the last couple of years. We'll see if we ever change that. Um, but we went to Wild West Hackenfest um, out in uh, San Diego. That was really good. Um, and we want to make it to Deadwood, but I uh, haven't been there yet. So, Yeah, I've heard good things. I haven't been to one yet, but it, it really thanks to to Black Hills for really getting, coming up with a way to do remote or virtual yeah. uh, 
conferences because before that, no one had a really good way of doing it, but they were one of the first to do it, laid, laid out the recommendations. A lot of people followed and successfully were able to pull it off. Yeah, remote events hard. Uh, and I think yeah. that's, that's going to be a really hard way to, you know, I think, again, you can learn a lot about the space, but if you want to actually interact and, and talk to people, there's no under underselling like the value of an in-person event for that purpose. Um, and that's where I think, again, those like local ones, B-sides uh, are incredible for that. So actually, yeah, I honestly, agree. My B-sides probably in general are probably my favorite events just because they're, you can have really good conversations with folks and, and the conversations out in the lobby are always really good. Um, talks are always really interesting. Um, big events have their place for sure, but, but uh, you never can really kind of match that intimacy of like a 2000 or less, right? Uh, event. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely nice. Yeah. It's the, B-sides are good, but some of the bigger conferences are good to go to as well. But yeah, that networking, the virtual thing was good. And, and for me, you know, I speak at conferences and love attending conferences. But for me, it just kind of gave me something to do when we couldn't go physically. But you just can't, you know, you've got Discord or, or Slack, whatever you're using for your conference. But you just can't really connect with people virtually like you can in person. Yeah, actually, uh, that's a great point. Slack. Um, that wasn't like those open kind of, I, there were, but they're not, they weren't as accessible, I guess, or I, they weren't known to me when I was trying to make my jump over. But like, um, there's a ton of Slack and Discord uh, servers you can join. Um, we have our own that's like around 10,000 members now, the Bloodhound Community Slack, which is really good. I mean, it's got tons of different channels for like, pen testing, detection, you name it. Um, so kind of whatever you're interested or just watch, right? Like it's the other thing, like any, any of these servers, um, those are a really popular one, uh, put out by Black Hills too, I think. Um, but there's, you know, just sit and watch the conversation until you feel, uh, work up the courage to ask a question and then take it from there. Um, yeah. But one of the benefits I do think there is to, those discord servers and Slack servers, at least, especially for people that are kind of shy meeting people. I think if people can meet online and when it makes it a little bit easier when you finally get to meet the people in person. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I've seen people like coordinate like little meetups too for like, so if you make, uh, some, any connections in those types of like discord or Slack, then you can, Hey, we're all going to, um, uh, this major event or this event can you, you all want to meet up because at least you know somebody there right at that point um, yeah I can definitely make definitely make it less intimidating but I, I, I can't really underscore the, the fact that most people in cybersecurity are extremely willing to talk to anybody and, and super supportive I, I think it's I don't know if it's changed or if it's just was never the norm and just a fear that people will think like um Folks, I don't know if that, I've never heard of a really bad experience by, by somebody just asking a question and having a, you know, poor response. I haven't either. One of the things I've seen that it's been a, a better industry than like IT in general, although I don't know if things have changed because back, I got started in IT before I moved into security, but I used to be a sysadmin and they were, you always ran into some people, Unix administrators or some other sysadmins that had their secrets and they didn't want to share them. They weren't as willing to help some of the new people. They weren't as open. And that's one of the things I've liked about security. Maybe things have shifted because that was in 97 or 98. 
and you know, lots changed since then. But one of the things I've noticed too is all these people, some of the you know most well known in the industry, will take time to answer your questions and, and try to help you out. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a previous like way of looking at job security, right? If I'm the only one that knows it, then <laughs> then I can never be let go. But yeah, I don't. I uh, I've been surprised. Um, yeah, the extent at which um, people are just willing to open arms and and kind of answer whatever is needed. Um, I also will say that sometimes people are just busy too. Um, and that, that's not a reflection. Like if you, uh, if you want to ask somebody a question and they say, you know, um, get back to me, like, here's a way to get back to me later. That's not them brushing you off. I know for, uh, certain speakers, uh, that we have that go to conference talks a lot, then they'll be going to a presentation and then they have multiple things afterwards. So any type of like not response immediately would not be a, we don't want to answer your question. It's, uh, they're like in the middle of something and, and transferring from location A to location B or something like that. So, um, but outside of that, like, uh, yeah, ask away. So, so based on your experience, do you think uh, certifications are required for someone wanting to get started in the industry? Uh, no, um, no, they're not. I wouldn't say that um, certainly like we do a considerable amount of hiring and certifications or like, uh, degrees or stuff are not required, but I will say it, you, you need a way of proving, uh, what you know for the position that you're applying. So, um, like if you're a developer, we don't require you to go to computer science, uh, you know, have a computer science degree or whatever. Um, but you have to have some way of, of proving or whether in like work background or, uh, in the technical interview itself, um, that you know what you're talking about, right? Uh, I think a lot of people want to see it through experience versus um, uh, certifications, but a certification or or uh, formal education is a good way of saying I have these established kind of standards, or at least I've I've, I've taken this bar, right? I, I went through a, a four different SANS courses, and I I had a great time. I mean, that, they were. Um, Again, it was to spin up my background prior to joining the industry. Um, and I don't, it, it, SANS was what I chose at the time, but you can go through any type of course. And it's just, a, again, you're not really getting it for the certification itself. I mean, I wouldn't look at it that way. I'd say, like, what can you get out of it in terms of knowledge that you can apply in the future? So at the time, right, I was working for a network security startup, and I wanted to understand every part of the packet. So that's why I took, like... Um, uh, network forensics at the time it was a great course um, and I walked away a lot more confident but I wasn't doing that to apply to a different role I was doing it to gain the knowledge that I wanted to use within it so no long story short I don't think that certifications or degrees are mandatory but it, they are useful in a way to say yes I have done this um, and you know this is in theory to be proved out what I should know in the role yeah, I like what you said about learning, you know, the knowledge you get out of it opposed to the to just the certification, because I see some people that are too focused on passing the exam, but not understanding what they're doing and quickly lose what they did learn. Yeah, I, I remember at the time, uh, uh, my, my instructor for the network class was John Hamm. I don't think I'll ever forget him. Like he was just an amazing instructor. And I just drilled him with questions uh, the whole time in the course. Um, and yeah, I, I, I was focused on passing the class because I, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty expensive. Right. But, um, but yeah, I wasn't wanting to use that 
you know, those four little letters at the, you know, for, for what they were, I wanted to use the knowledge that I could gain out of it. Um, and so any course, you know, any certification, you should look at it like that, like what, and, and you should ask other people what they have gained out of taking a course like that. You know, I wouldn't, it'd be hard for me to just sign up for a course or certification or something like that without also talking to somebody who either recommends it or has gone through it and had a good experience. So, yeah, that's a good point. Getting that course or certification kind of vetted from someone, you know, because there's so many things to choose from out there and there's even some good content on Udemy, but it's just really, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I, I've said it a few times already, but like, I, I don't know if it's still kind of the, the standard, but I feel like it should be is the, you know, the SEC plus network plus and A plus. Like, I feel like if you get that, then that, again, that kind of at least you learn a lot about a bunch of different things and you can kind of dig in where you may have additional interest or may just, <laughs> I have no idea what that part was about. Let me like take a course just on that. But going through a random course catalog and saying like, well, I see positions in the industry. I see like a, uh, this position, therefore I should take this course. I, I wouldn't go that route, right? Um, but mm -hmm. go, go the reverse, try to build up the knowledge. Very cool. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there any other advice you'd like to give that maybe you didn't mention? Um, no, I mean, uh, just, just try to interact with folks however you feel comfortable, right? Um, so... If you have a question, ask it. Um, it could be in a Slack channel. Um, it could be in a, a comment on a blog post. It could be in a Twitter thread. It could be in person at an event. But if you're thinking about going um, into the industry or want to move positions within the industry or uh, whatever, again, most folks are more than willing to answer. And if somebody isn't, try another person, right? <laughs> maybe they're busy. Maybe they just had a bad day. Uh, but don't take it personally. Um, we all want to, we all want to help others succeed in this field because uh, nobody knows everything here. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to connect anybody to anybody if, if we can ever be of assistance uh, in that process as well. That's some good points. I liked all the way you mentioned if someone doesn't answer or whatever, move on, but you know, um, just kind of, we'll get your opinion on this too, before we close out. Uh, I've kind of, I'm kind of of the opinion that, the more resources you have, the better. So not just depend on one person, you know, talk to multiple people to get multiple opinions that we're going to get more resources. Yeah. Especially, I don't know if it, it, I guess it depends on if you're transitioning within the, in, or in the industry. So this is your first role in cybersecurity or, or uh, kind of going up within it, but talking to other people, because again, cybersecurity is a huge field. So um, getting different opinions on different roles is going to be extremely valuable. Um, and you can kind of all interpret that and, and how you, I guess, perceive their information and how they deliver it. Um, but yeah, certainly some, one person's experience being a blue teamer at one organization is going to be very different than a red teamer at a different organization, right? So uh, try to find, you know, both in terms of the positions that sound interesting, but also the companies that they have, that uh, they talk about and how they like working for those companies. And, so. Well, uh, thanks for joining me. It's been great having you as a guest. I look forward to getting to meet you someday in person. Ah, yeah, same. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you on the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast with Philip Wiley. 
If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.